The most important thing you could share with me today is your perspective. Because the freedom of perspective fuels the logic we use to defend truth. We never stop fighting for freedom and truth, and that is what makes us Americans. Welcome to Critical Thought with Noah Chalaya. Thirteen ten KNOX 1079-1033 FM. Good morning, 907, 9 below as we make our way to a day, or 9 above rather, as we make our way to a daytime high of falling temps today. My name is Noah Chalaya. I am your host. Delighted to be here with you this morning. DFLers from the Minnesota House and Senate joined advocacy groups Thursday to announce the legislation of legalized adult-use cannabis in the state. This is out of KNOX Newsroom. Representative Zach Stevens the bill's house author says it will create a safe, well-regulated legal marketplace, including best practices for consumer protection, health, and public safety. He also said it includes a robust expungement program so that people ha- that have been disproportionately have been caught in the criminal justice system due to cannabis can move on with their lives. Minnesota is ready for legalization. Stevenson says that current laws do more harm than good and that state and local governments are spending millions enforcing laws that aren't helping anyone. Money that could be put to far better purposes. He said there's a better way. And if we're honest about cannabis and its impact, then our model, we need to model our laws accordingly. Bill at his first reading yesterday, and it referred to the com- it's been referred to the uh, Commerce and Finance and Policy Committee. So my question to you at 775-5559, does Minnesota starting the, the process of legalizing THC in their state affect how you view it in our state here in North Dakota? Again, 775-5559. I told you this was coming. I told you this was coming back when this came up for a a vote in North Dakota. Five additional states last year legalized recreational marijuana. Five additional states. That is in in a growth. There's only like four or five states that have completely banned uh, THC and cannabis altogether. The rest of them, to include North Dakota, have medical provisions And more and more states are adding recreational. This is not going away. And it part of what part of what gets me, I don't know, interested and or passionate about something. It's not that I I care one way or the other. It's I don't have a dog in the fight when it comes to uh, alcohol. I don't have a dog in the fight when it comes to cigarettes. And I don't really have a dog in the fight when it comes to cannabis. It's not a product I would go out and choose to purchase, not a product I would go out and choose to use. But it is it is just it's an enigma to me that people have such a strong opinion to tell other people what they can and what they can't put into their body. When we think you should put something into your body like a vaccine, we push it six ways from Sunday. You had all of five minutes of evidence to suggest that there was some benefit to the vaccine before you started mandating that people shove it into their bodies. And yet something with hundreds, if not thousands of years of history behind it, with less of a negative impact than many other substances that are already on the market, 
That we say absolutely no way. And then we go above and beyond that and schedule it as a Schedule 1 narcotic. No medicinal or valid use for the substance at all. No ability to research the substance and find out if, at what, if any benefit it provides to people. So, 775-5559, does legalizing THC in Minnesota change how you view it in North Dakota? You're on X. Good morning. Absolutely not. I... So the Minnesota potheads want to dope up, I'd go ahead, but no, it doesn't change my view. Uh, and I would challenge you on some of your comments. Uh, number one, it, it, it's not as bad as other stuff. I didn't take that from my kids. Sorry, not a, not a logical valid. I don't care if it's not as bad. That That's an irrelevant argument. So I, I don't buy that. I, I also do think there's massive amounts of proof of uh, of uh, the side effects and what happens with especially heavy pot users, in fact, heavy male pot users, and the link to uh, violence. So no, I, I don't, I don't buy. Now, can each state have a vote? I'm a state right, sure, but I, I don't buy. It's not as bad as something else's argument, and I don't buy it is good. I just chuckle, and I don't, it's not. Uh, this comment's not towards you, yeah. but but I listen to some of the potheads that push this stuff, and and literally, according to them, it cures all. Everything's cured by pot. It's it's apparently it's a wonder drug, but but no, I I don't buy it, and I just think it's another example. And and even many of these so-called victimless crimes, crimes, even you know the people that advocate for, I don't buy the victimless crime argument either. That there are victims and a lot of victims. Who who are they hurting? Here's the issue I have with it. If you want to tell me that they're going to legalize it. But there's not going to be a bunch of government, taxpayer-funded programs to take care of all the addicts. And when they commit other crimes because of the use, go talk to get a police officer on here. Ask him the people he deals with, the criminals, how many of them are not in one shape, way, shape, or form tied to alcohol and or drugs. Okay. Would you be in favor of banning alcohol? Because I am confident, I am confident if you took out the alcohol and or drugs to the crime, There'd be massive layoffs from the police departments all across the country. Okay, so but you're consistent though. So you would say alcohol is a problem. We should perhaps get rid of alcohol. Oh, there's, no, there's no doubt alcohol. And once again, as a state's rights, communities, counties, cities, or a state, if they vote to go dry, that fine. I, I, I don't have an issue with necessarily with the people voting it, but but I'm not buying. It cures everything. I'm not buying. It's not harmful, or it's not. I, I don't buy any of that garbage. Sure. And and it's it's not going to help our country to have more people who apparently can't deal with life's issue, so so they go to a drug to placate themselves. It's not good for America. It's not going to help us. It's only going to hurt us. And so I, I just I I won't buy that argument from them. They do they have the right to do this legislate? Yes, but I tell you what, when it's all said and done, when it's all, when the history's written. Will be worse because of it. I I can appreciate the st- I, I appreciate your consistency with states' rights. You know, yeah, I, because I, it, is, it is a state issue, and, and uh, but I but I do say this, uh, and it will lead down the road to with the, the same arguments that will be the next drug, and you're seeing it. The hallucinogen. It's just going to keep going on and on yep. and on, and and and, and, I, and I'll close this. I, I I'm firm on this though. If if this is what the state's going to do. 
I don't want to hear about my taxpayer going to help addicts. Yes, if I, you people are all about let the people do what they want, then fine. And when they get all doped up and all messed up and their life's ruined, it's on them. Yes. Why should I pay more to fix them? No, you shouldn't. A hundred percent. We can agree there. That's a good point. To Your freedom to be you includes my freedom to be to be free from you and the consequences of your actions. So I would agree with you there. If you want to go do it, I'm not going to tell you what you can or can't put into your body. You deal with the consequences. And that goes for riding a motorcycle with your helmet on or without your helmet. on. I thank you for the call that goes without uh, that goes for driving a car without your seatbelt on. And it goes with whatever recreational drugs you want to use to include tobacco, alcohol, marijuana, whatever. You deal with the consequences of you. And if you don't like those consequences, make different decisions. Seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. I'm glad to hear from you this morning. You're on the air. Yeah. Th- thank you, Noah. And I can't believe I'm, I'm going to say this, but I actually <laughs> can hardly see it better than the previous caller. <laughs> I, you guys finally agree on something. Yeah, right. Um, anyhow, uh, no. And I, I would also agree that when you said you don't have a dog in the fight, I disagree 100%. Okay. Because of the adverse effects on society as a whole, you okay, do have a yeah. dog in this fight. Okay, you've convinced me that that's that's a logical argument. So let me ask you a question. I have to be honest with you. I, I don't. It doesn't surprise me when Terry says I I come out this I kind of expected that. I've, and I think I've told you this before. You're one of the people that really surprised me because you've dealt with people that have dealt with uh, uh, drug addictions and and this sort of thing, and. It seems that the vast majority of people that I talk it to in harm reduction circles and in drug circles and those kinds of things, they, they're typically pretty pro-pot. They're typically pretty, that isn't the problem. That's not where people are dying. We need to focus over here. So you're kind of a, you're, you're kind of a, a, a different animal, and I, I appreciate that. Can you help me understand why you don't think, why you don't, th- if, if somebody was willing to stop at marijuana, they weren't wanting to go any further than that, why that would be harmful to society, or what have you seen? Well, let, let's just—I'll start with this. In, in the addiction community, a drug is a drug is a drug, including alcohol, which is the biggest offender of all. Okay. Marijuana, alcohol are still the gateway drugs, no matter what. No matter what these uh, advocates say, it's still the gateway drug, and it and it and it uh, promotes uh, a seedy lifestyle. Okay, both marijuana, any drug. Worst thing, in my opinion, that could have ever happened was when Nixon scheduled the drugs. Because you're right, no, menis- no medicinal. You know which drug has no medicinal value whatsoever? Alcohol. 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 Okay, I, you know what? If I can, I just want to push back on that just a little bit. So my wife is an ICU nurse, and one of the things that boggled her mind over and over again is we don't have really any good uh, we don't have a good response to people that come in with alcohol intoxication and we're trying to get them off of alcohol. And so we're trying to, to facilitate that process. But you can't use any form of alcohol or anything similar to it like you have like Suboxone and, and Naloxone and, and, and those sorts of things for opioids to kind of taper off. And we don't have anything like that for alcohol and we're not allowed to use alcohol itself. And so even I think even in, there are some even extreme circumstances to where under the care of a medical professional, alcohol could be used in a positive way, if only to get people off of alcohol, wean them off, slow them down, whatever it is. And I don't claim to understand the nature of it, but it concerns me anytime we say something has no value. Shouldn't we be leaving that decisions to doctors? Um, okay, that's a, that's a fair statement. 
but I would also point out, well, first of all, you're not, you're not uh, exactly 100% correct. There are okay. a number of different drugs that do help with alcohol. Um, withdrawal? Uh, yeah, not only withdrawal, but also to sustain sobriety. There are I drugs see. being, you know, burpenorphine is a big one. Um, they're doing research all the time. Um, in, my, in my opinion, yeah, it, it belongs in the medical field. And so does marijuana, and so do every other drug. So then when they fly this uh, uh, legalized marijuana under a medical umbrella, it's it's a false flag. Completely agree. It's, Completely agree. You know how we know that's true? We know that's true, sir, because if, if that were the case, then you should be able to just go to all true, sit down with your doctor, say, I want to be prescribed this. He, write, he or she writes you a prescription, you take it over to the pharmacy, and you fill it. But that isn't what happens, right? You go to a special doctor, a doctor that is on board with this and and knows the process, and then they fill out essentially a glorified letter that says, I think you should be able to do this. And then you take it to a private business and you present your letter and then they let you buy pot as if it just it is so far from what a normal prescription, normal medical you know, condition and treatment and medic, all of it. It it is an entire sham. It's it's almost as if we've taken recreational marijuana and just kind of wrapped it up in this other little entity so that we can feel better about passing it. I completely agree with you. You know, and I'll, I'll just restate my thesis. You know, a drug is a drug is a drug. Yes, and it, they all have adverse effects on on society, including prescription medication. By the way, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, in in a lot of ways, pharmaceuticals are 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 drug dealers in white coats. What I don't like is that the states are able to choose right now. It's still illegal federally. Right. This is, a, this is allowing states to pick and choose what they agree with uh, federally. So this, I don't like that concept either. Well, this is maybe where you and I are going to disagree a little bit, but shouldn't that be left to the states and shouldn't the federal government stay out of it? Well, then, you know, I would rather that the federal government take a stance on this. Right now, they do have a stance on this. Mm -hmm. And federal law trumps state law. I appreciate the call. I, uh, I that that, uh, that and that, that that's I guess where you and I uh, differ a little bit, but I, I I appreciate your perspective, particularly on this topic, more uh, more than I can ever truly put into words. I appreciate you calling in seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. You're on KNOX. Good morning. Good morning. How many uh, gold medals did Michael Phelps win in the Olympics as a swimmer? Okay. And uh, for arguments, like let's say twenty one, but the year after he won seven gold medals. You know, it was revealed that he smoked weed, and he liked to smoke weed because it helped him with his training, you know, with his respiratory and his strength. How many uh, gold medals were stripped from him for smoking weed while he was uh, competing in the Olympics? So, and here's the thing. Zero. It, 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 so, well, what about, like, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and Barry Bonds and Lance and Armstrong? What did they do? Steroids. What happened to them? They got all of their awards stricken from them. They got banned from the sport. They'll never be in the you know in a in a hall of fame or nothing. You know. But sir, one of- is a performance enhancing drug, and one it would actually likely you know decrease your performance. I mean, I, I the the people that I've seen exactly. That- well, I'm pro marijuana, and I believe that Michael Phelps was one of the greatest athletes ever, and everybody loved him until they found out he smoked weed. You know, and then they all wanted to turn you know think of him as a uh, you know a black spot on the sport or something like that, you know, like he was a bad boy for, for smoking weed, which is, you know, you got to look at the history of hemp. It goes all the way back before slavery, you know, when these 
greedy plantation owners that had slaves wouldn't contribute to political party campaigns. And it wasn't until Eli Whitney invented the hemp harvester that they made it illegal, you know, and that's when they abolished slavery. I mean, Abraham Lincoln said, we're the biggest uh, hypocrite in the world when we celebrate the 4th of July while we have slaves bringing us our lemonade, you know. <laughs> no, I, well. And, exactly, right? No, 100%. You know, the other side of that is, and I thank you for the call, we just pulled Brittany Griner out of the Russian jail because we said she was wrongfully detained for having marijuana in Russia. So you want to talk about talking out of both sides of your mouth. I mean, was she wrongfully detained or did she have a drug that is that is illegal that our own federal law prohibits? 775-5559. You're on KNOX. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Hey, I can't uh, probably articulate the point quite as well as Terry or, or the gentleman after him, who I, I rarely agree with, but today... I, I <laughs> today you guys are all on the same side. But, you know, let's just sit around saying kumbaya, shall we? But uh, no, they, they made some great points on this. And one of my contentions with this is, you know, and this has been already brought up, but this, this idea that, well, this isn't nearly as bad as other drugs. I mean, that's a, that's a complete non-starter argument with me. Because there's always something worse. I mean, we could argue, well, cocaine actually used to be a you know, wonder drug in the medical community. Go, yeah. look, at, go look at the medical you know, ads from you know, the 50s, 60s, something like that. Oh, cocaine, that's fine. Um, but, and by the way, cocaine's nowhere near as bad as fentanyl. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you know, if, we, if we go down that road, I, I think that that's a, I mean, it's a, it's a road to nowhere. I mean, it just, there's, there's no good... You know, stopping point, no good answer, and ultimately let, we just let everything. If, if rip, I can, if I, I can, I want, I want to challenge. I want to challenge that a little bit. What if this was the road? What yeah. if the road was the anything that can anything that is either capable and or highly likely to cause death? Things like you know fentanyl and heroin and cocaine. These, these harder drugs that that cause death. What if we drew the line there and we and you know you I might even include alcohol in that. I, that's kind of the iffy thing. To me, cannabis seems like it's on the far green side. If you're going to take any sort of a mind-altering drug, that seems to be by far the most mild and least consequential and least threatening to your health. That may be true in, in, in some aspects. However, and I'm glad you brought up alcohol, because um, because when people get behind, of course, it's a, it's a legal thing. Oh, you can still... You know, go out and even drive. You know, less than 1.08 system. I don't drink and I don't do do marijuana, so so I don't know all the all the stats. But I believe right. it's 0.08. And so you can go out there and drive. And some people, you know, almost regardless of the drug that's being used, are are high functioning users of that drug. Some people can just be blasted out of their gourd when it comes to alcohol, and they can still drive. They can still function. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, without being pulled over, you would never know. I mean, the same thing is true with uh, marijuana as well. And is it true that you can get a DUI driving low under the influence with marijuana? And so this idea of, you know, if it's a deadly drug, well, what if it slows down your reaction time? What if it it slows down your cognitive ability? It does. And so now you're going to jump behind the wheel of your vehicle. That's where this goes sideways for me. And and the other thing that, that I'll bring up about this, so many times states want to legalize Yet all the ads leading up to the votes are all about, well, it'll help veterans with PTSD. 
and the medical side of this. People just need relief. But really what this comes down to, oh, we just want to go get baked whenever we want. And so there's a, there's a huge hypocrisy that goes on with this. Mm-hmm. They play on all both of sides. Us like pawns. Well, they play all of us like pawns to say, oh, this medicinal uh, benefit of this is so great, and yet we just really want to go and do whatever we want. And, you know, maybe in a libertarian sort of view, you could just be like, well, okay, go do whatever you want. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I get where people come from there, but it's a real hypocrisy in how they try to play the game. And I have a, I have a problem with that, and, and I don't agree with the idea that let's just continue down the road as a society. Let more things in, let more things in. Let's, let's try to be a little conservative on some things, and we don't always have to bend to the next vice that comes down the road. I, I appreciate the call. I, I can get, I can follow most of what you're saying. Where I where it kind of falls off for me, if I'm being honest, is I I follow it up to the point where we say, but I'm gonna make that decision for you too. That's the thing that I, I, I feel like and and I have another study that I'm gonna talk about. I'm gonna have to do it after the news, but ketamine clinics are popping up. So ketamine clinics, people can't deal with life. The same exact the same exact Core cause of what people drives people to mind mind altering substances in the first place. But because the ketamine infusion is done by a medical practitioner and the guided meditation is done by a medical practitioner, we call that drug, which is infinitely more dangerous than cannabis. We encourage people to go inject that into their body. And that seems like an obvious logical contradiction to me. If you can achieve the same results with a less intrusive and less dangerous means. I don't know why we wouldn't do that. Seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. you're on KNOX. Good morning. Well, going, growing up in the 60s, everybody talked about LSD, and they showed people being Superman and jumping off a building. Scared the crap out of me. I didn't even do marijuana back in the 60s uh-huh. uh, because that was just a gateway drug, and that's how we were raised and that's what we were told. But now... If uh, we have medicinal marijuana, why don't we have medicinal cocaine and medicinal fentanyl? Well, we, oh, do. we do. Well, we do. Yeah, we do. They're, they're, I mean, we have medicinal opioids. Right. But why don't we let the doctors prescribe it for the people who need it instead of all the street people? Because, who street because, for uh, because we have scheduled it as a class one narcotic and said that there is no medicinal value. So doctors are terrified of prescribing it. Now, there is one exception. There okay. is a there is a drug called Marinol. Marinol is an FDA-approved synthetic cannabis alternative. And it is, mm-hmm. by every definition, an actual medical uh, medication designed to treat actual medical problems. It can be prescribed by a doctor. You can go to a pharmacy and pick it up. If you go to the hospital, the hospital pharmacy is like all of the things that we well, would. They, it is exactly the well, same. It, yes, yes, well, yes, 100 okay, percent. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. So, it, so I've been promoting all the time. It should be FDA should come out and say, okay, this is a legal prescription drug only. If you need it, we'll get it to you. Yes, 100%. We should treat it the exact same way we treat every other drug. I thank you for the call. 775-5559. Good morning. You're on KNOX. Good morning. Well, and I think Farmer Ray brought up, uh, inadvertently maybe, an excellent point when he said, well, what about medical cocaine? Mm. Cocaine is a Schedule two narcotic. Because the government says that it does have medical uses, mm-hmm. typically in dentistry. Marijuana is a Schedule One drug, much like meth, which they're saying has no medical use. Right. So that's the first thing that the federal government needs to reevaluate. Agreed. And that's 
goes back to the long history of why marijuana was the first illegal narcotic in United States history. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So that's I mean, it, realistically, they are. People are being disingenuous on both sides. Agreed. But at the same point, the government knows it's been disingenuous with this substance for decades and have done nothing because they didn't have to. A hundred percent. Hey, I appreciate the call. I got to get to the news. Pat Sweeney is standing by with the latest, but we will decidedly pick this conversation up on the other side. This is Critical Thought on KNOX. Radio 1310 KNOX 1079-1033 FM. Good morning, 939, 8 above. The phone number 775-5559. That is the number to join us. We're talking about marijuana. Minnesota's decision to legalize recreational marijuana. The bill has been was talked about last year. It's been brought up now. It's on the floor. They're talking about it. And the governor has said he's going to sign it if it, if it, if it comes through. He thinks it's it's time for Minnesota to legalize recreational cannabis. Your thoughts at 775-5559. You're on KNOX. Good morning. Happy Fun Friday. Happy Fun... <laughs> yes. Uh, that That's quite uh, timely for our topic today. Yes. Well, it's a serious deal because uh, the drug alcohol, a lot of people... Maybe more now, but when I was drinking alcohol, I had no idea that it was a drug. Yes. A mind and mood altering drug, and I was a bad drunk driver. Mm-hmm. I was in a fatal uh, vehicle a crash. I wasn't driving. I was passed out in the back seat. And my uh, buddy is driving my car, and we broadsided the third diesel of a moving freight train. And he wow. was killed. I'm in a coma for a week. You were? But, yep. Oh, my goodness. That's a near-death experience. And uh, you're too young for me to tell you what I saw in that coma for a week. And um, But on a serious side, I think in the United States, every year, the, uh, over 10 or 11,000 people are killed, alcohol-related wrecks on our roads and streets. And... There's over 400,000 Americans die every year because of alcohol, uh, kidneys and hearts and all this other stuff. Uh, You might be able to do this drug alcohol when you're younger, but it catches up with you when you get to be mid-40s or so. Absolutely. And then you you don't make it to 55 or 60 because your, your internal organs are ruined. And now, uh, so we have a terrible problem with this alcohol, and now we're mentioning this uh, recreational marijuana. Well, wait, I lived in Colorado for 32 years, and I don't know, they've had uh, recreational marijuana there for maybe five years or 10 years. Mm -hmm. 
also have all kinds of all kinds of social problems additional just because of this recreational marijuana okay. and the surround the surrounding states that don't have recreational marijuana they come to colorado and then they bring all the doom and the expense to the taxpayers and whatever back to their state so this is precisely my point right this is precisely my point i don't i i think anybody who is not who it doesn't have the intention of burying their head in the sand and is looking around can look around and say this train is only moving one direction the train is only moving one direction every year more and more states change their legislature to legalize recreational cannabis. So at this point, North Dakota passed up the opportunity to collect the tax revenue that would be had from purchasing it. it you're not going to stop anybody because in a few months or maybe a year, you're going to be able to drive over to East Grand Forks. You're going to be able to drive over to Moorhead and you're going to go pick it up. And so to me, it's very reminiscent of the early 2000s or mid 2000s when we ban- when we tried to increase Minnesota, tried to increase the tax on cigarettes in East Grand Forks as if that's going to do anything, as if people from Minnesota weren't going to drive across the border and just purchase their cigarettes on North Dakota. It doesn't see it just it doesn't seem like an effective strategy to achieve the ends that people want to achieve. Well, also, to me, I, I didn't do any pot, but it, this marijuana now, as I understand it, is a lot different. <clears throat> the potency is about four or five times more potent than it was in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, I so it, I hear that, but know, so. at the same time, people can choose what potency they want to purchase, right? So if it, they're purchasing higher potency, it's because they wish to consume higher potency, not because you know they're getting tricked into it or something. Yeah, well, you mentioned a point, too. It's all, it comes down to money. So there's yes. a lot of tax revenue for alcohol. There's, there's going to be, is a lot of tax for uh, recreational marijuana, medical marijuana. And, uh, but it causes the general community a lot of havoc. Yeah. You know, just like little Grand Forks, uh, probably three or four at least people that I meet driving are impaired. No, yeah, I, 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 I think I, I think you're onto something there. I again. I, so with the impairment thing, it's a particular concern. And I thank you for the call because you cannot test somebody to find out if they're currently under the influence of cannabis. Right. You can test somebody to find out if they're currently under the influence of alcohol. You can test somebody to find out if they've used cannabis in the last 24 hours, 48 hours, month. But there, to my knowledge, is no test that you can do to find out how much impairment somebody is currently under. Now, granted, as this continues to become more of a prolific issue, I'm sure newer technology and newer medical science will come out to figure something like that out. But today it doesn't exist. So one again, I, and I think most of us seem to agree on this because it seems to come up a lot that there's dis, people are disingenuous on both sides of the issue. But one of the things I think that the anti-cannabis people really have going for them is the idea that Nobody is saying that people should be able to operate a vehicle under the influence of any drug, but the problem, the, the, the fact that we can't police it, the fact that we can't determine if somebody is impaired is of huge concern, and we do need an answer to that question before we just go ham with it. 775-5559, you're on KNOX. Good morning. Morning, Noah. Happy Friday. Happy, fr- happy Friday. Happy fun Friday. Yeah, there we go. Um, well, the thing about this marijuana thing, I've never done it, and... Uh, I, I don't intend on it, and I'm fairly young. Um, but I think it will get legalized eventually. Me too. I don't really care for it to be legalized. It doesn't bother me either way, because it, it, but uh, it'll affect all of our lives because we will have to deal with more drug use. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that when that happens, I think the best way to mitigate that is not mandating, because I don't believe in mandates, but mm-hmm. encourage every single business or employer to drug test. Any tax revenue yes! that off marijuana, the government should send these businesses drug tests, you know, where they, they do the mouth swab or they urinate in a cup and, and give these businesses some money to help them out pay for drug testing. That was critical thought. Do you get the sounder, my friend? Yes, sir. Thank you. <laughs> no, but here, here's, uh, I, 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 you know, where you're on to something here, right? This is the way that you structure society to achieve the results that you want. Fine. You want to go use recreational drugs? You go do that. I'm not going to employ you. If you can find somebody else that will, knock yourself out. I'm not going to employ a drug user because I want somebody that's going to show up to work. I want somebody that's going to show up to work and is going to be sober. And I want somebody who's going to show up to work, be sober and is interested in working. And if there's anything that we know about recreational drug users, it's that they like to sit around and spend their time using drugs. Right. So that to me is you've identified a problem. You found a solution. It doesn't require the government to implement the solution. And you're effectively changing the behavior of other people through positive motivation. Here's a paycheck. Here's money. Here's work. On the other side, here's wasting your time with recreational drugs. You pick one. You pick whatever you want. You deal with the the, the consequences of your actions, but you pick one. Yes, sir. With personal choice comes accountability. There's always responsibility involved. Thank you for taking my call. You have a good one. I appreciate it. You get my you get the, you get the call of the day, call of the hour. Seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. You're on KNOX. Good morning. All right, I'm going to rattle off some more drugs for you. Okay. Coffee, caffeine. Yes. Uh, yes. Chocolate is a drug. Yep. Um, let's see. And then if we're going to talk about potency of marijuana, let's talk about the potency of alcohol. I can either have a beer or a shot of Everclear. Yes. So there's your potency there. Um, and then if we're going to do drug testing, let's drug test anybody that's on federal assistance or food stamps. A hundred percent. Because because they're working, I'm working for them, and my job is, is scrutinized. Um, so they should be scrutinized, too. If they're going to get a handout, they shouldn't be taking drugs. Absolutely. Um, and then this misnomer with all this me- marijuana and hemp is people are getting those two confused. Yep. Hemp is like near beer. It's not evil. It's beneficial. In fact, it got a bad rap um, because the the, the the paper barons, the, the guys that had the sawmills mm-hmm. and were trying to compete with hemp for a paper product didn't want hemp because that was like cheaper to grow and and was more you know a quicker product to make so they mm-hmm. they pretty much uh threw it in with marijuana to give it a bad name so that they could uh profit from uh their paper mills mm-hmm. instead of uh getting run out of business mm-hmm. so i mean there's a couple of things here but unfortunately uh, my parents are in this boat they're anti-marijuana and then they just don't know the facts the government scared them when they were young and told mm-hmm. them i say lies and people are still believing some of these lies i mean if you're going to outlaw alcohol, look what happened. We got, uh, um, that's when organized crime kind of started picking up in the U.S. is when we abolished uh, or got, you know, rid of alcohol for a couple of years there. And that's when organized crime started growing, you know, in this country and it's never left. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. No, if you're 100% you got- right. A drug is any chemical that changes your body's chemistry. So that includes water. It includes Tylenol. It includes, you know, I mean, anything. It all has changes. So at the end of the day, and I thank you, there's another excellent, excellent call with excellent, excellent points. 
at the end of the day, what it comes down to is who is the ultimate arbitrator of what you can and can't put into your body and understanding that you and you alone are responsible for the consequences, whatever that is, both positive and negative. And the problem that I have with banning at a federal level as a schedule one narcotic is you remove the ability for people to achieve the benefit that they might get from putting a particular substance into their body. And that, to me, is fundamentally wrong. You shouldn't be able to do that. If ever you notice all of these other arguments, it's not as bad as other stuff. There's 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 massive proof of bad side effects that be, because of this, there's that because of uh, of this, they're going to do harder drugs because of this, they're going to drive and be under the influence. You notice that all of those things are straw man arguments. They have to they can't attack the actual substance. They can't attack the effects of the actual substance. So we move on to all of the auxiliary effects hasn't killed anyone and yet they throw this in the same boat as fentanyl and i'll get to that in a second here as well Seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. you're on knox good morning good morning i was just wanted to make a comment about that other guy that called in about people that get federal assistance or whatever and would uh would he uh consider farmers that get federal crop insurance would they be under that to have drug testing? See, I would. I would tell you. I would tell you if you're taking tax dollars in any form, federal tax dollars, state tax dollars, city tax dollars, you should drug test your your. You should be drug tested because otherwise, here's what you're doing, right? You're offloading the potential mismanagement of your own business onto the taxpayers. You're hiring drug addicts to do work. You're permitting them to show up to work potentially on drugs, and then you're offloading your the, the, the responsibility of balancing your books to the taxpayer. How is that fair? Oh, you hung up. 775-5559, the number to join us. We'll take, the, uh, we'll take the last break here. We'll wrap it up in the next segment. Then joining me in the next segment, Dr. Chalaya will join me, and uh, we'll dig into the DeMar Hamilton situation. Uh, things are looking up for him. He's waking up. He, first thing he asked is, did we win the game? That shows you the guy is devoted. There's also a a faith aspect to this. His teammates are praying. Um, people on national news networks are taking time to spend time in prayer for him. And obviously those prayers are being answered. So we'll discuss all of that. It's coming up next on News Radio 1310 KNOX. News Radio 1310 KNOX 1079-1033 FM. Welcome back. Uh, just a couple of minutes uh, left in the hour. So coming up in the next hour, we're, uh, Dr. Noah Chalaya from the Heart Institute of North Dakota will join us. Now, your questions are welcome at 775-559. If you have a cardiac question or medical question in general, he'll entertain those. I've been a cardiologist for more than 35 plus years and is happy to be available to you to answer those questions. But I'll ask him about uh, this football incident with Damar Hamilton and what he can tell us about Damar's uh, cardiac condition and what he thinks might have caused it. All of that's up next on Critical Thought News Radio 1310 KNOX.
News Radio 1310 KNOX 107.9 103.3 FM. Good morning, 1007, 8 above. Welcome back. My name is Noah Chalaya. I am your host. Delighted to be here with you this hour. God, faith, and prayer became the focus after Hamlin's heart attack on the field. Damar Hamlin was a, or is a, uh, NFL football player and collapsed on the field. He was in the process or or had just completed tackling and or running into somebody, stood up, and then just passed out flat on the field. And of course, this has garnered national media attention. And so joining me to help discuss this topic is Dr. Noah Chalaya, president and founder of the Heart Institute, and a cardiologist of over 35 plus years. I, I probably, do I need to update that at some point? I've been saying that for like five years. years no. Yeah, okay. So I, I was I was thinking. This is 40th year. It's just, it, you know, it's, it's easier for me to do the math if I just Sometimes take a number and then say plus. better to avoid, then they say the guy is too old. <laughs> <laughs> so Dr. Chalaya, I, I want to start here. Before we get into the DeMar Hamilton, okay. what in general, what is a heart attack? No, he didn't have a heart attack. I know. Before we get into that, what is okay. a heart attack? Um, well, let me back go back to anatomy. Uh, the heart is a pump. It pumps blood, okay? So it's made up of a muscle that pumps blood all the time. Okay. So the muscle needs oxygen and the only way it gets oxygen is through blood supply. And there are three blood vessels that lie on the surface, outer surface of the heart. Okay. And that supplies the blood to the heart muscle. Okay. Now you'll say, so why it's kind of like it... your plumbing pipes around your house. Exactly. Now you might say, why does it have on the outside? Why can't it be inside? Because if it is inside the muscle, every time the heart squeezes... Yeah, it constricts. It's like constri- a garden hose when I'm trying to prevent my kids from spraying <laughs> exactly. me with it. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so it's on the outside. And if they get plugged up like with cholesterol, with all the cheeseburgers people eat, mm. you know... It clogs up the blood vessels, so not enough blood is getting through. And one fine day, uh, one sad day, I should say, uh, the plaque, the the cholesterol plaque, breaks up and then immediately starts a clot formation. And the clot seals the blood vessel off. Now that portion of the heart muscle that was getting blood and oxygen from that particular branch of the blood vessel Mm -hmm. is completely deprived of oxygen. And that piece of muscle actually dies a lot of people, well, the doctors try to avoid shocking you. Say, oh, you got heart damage. Actually, it's death. The heart muscle actually dies. Portion, mm-hmm. not the whole muscle. Mm-hmm. Now, the larger the heart attack, the greater the heart muscle damage and the greater the danger. Okay. So the more often this happens or the more severe the heart attack, the the, the, the more trouble you are. It, like, it's a permanent change. It's a permanent change to your physiology. Yes. Let me add a, a clarification point. The lower down the blockage is, in the blood vessel, uh-huh. the better off you are. For example, sure, think sure. of it. Suppose you, the main pipe in my house jams, as opposed to you the can kitchen go borrow, sink jams. My, borrow water from the next uh, your neighbor, but if the pipe or the supply line at the pumping station is gone, right. the whole city will be without water. Got so it. the higher the problem is, the greater the chance of a heart, massive heart attack. Okay. And if it's a massive, massive heart attack, people don't survive. Okay, so in in a heart attack, you have the the piping of the body. It gets plugged. It forms a clot. It do, then the organs can't be perfused. In other words, they can't get delivered it, blood, which means they can't right. get nutrition and oxygen. Those sorts of things. So that's a heart attack. So now explain to me why all of these social media reports or, or social speculation about Demar Hamlin having a heart attack on the field is not accurate. It's absolutely nonsense because. He's remind me how old is he? He must be in his twenties or thirties. Something like that. Yeah, uh, chances of having a twenty-year-old having a heart attack 
is extremely, extremely unlikely. Okay. In order to do that, you have to have a history of very, very high cholesterol in your family. Which he wouldn't have because he's an athlete. And, and then you should be a smoker or yeah. a cocaine user or, you know, uh, you have some real congenital problem. Uh-huh. That is extremely rare, okay. right? So that that I'm absolutely positive what he had was not a heart attack. What he had was called cardiac arrest okay. from ventricular fibrillation. Let me explain that. Remember I told you when the heart attack occurs, I'm not saying he had a heart attack. I'm yes. using that yes. to explain this additional point. When the heart attack occurs, there is sudden lack of blood supply to a piece of muscle. Okay. And that makes the muscle, as it's dying, it throws into a electrical instability, becomes electrically unstable. So hold and, on. So so we're making a change here. So we're going from the plumbing side of the heart, the waterworks, over to the Bergstrom electric side. Electric. Uh, okay. Right. I'm trying to show you that they can have the influence. Sure, sure. They can interact. Okay. So now we are talking about the electrical system instead of the plumbing system. Now- this is one way in which ventricular fibrillation can occur. In fact, one out of two patients who have a heart attack at home die before they get to the hospital because of this particular electrical instability. Okay. What is ventricular fibrillation? Okay. The, normally, the heart beats every uh, approximately one second, at, you know, once every second. Uh-huh. That is because a center in the upper chamber, right upper chamber, se- delivers a tiny, tiny shock. It's very, very tiny, but it's... It's a shock, electric shock, nevertheless, and that takes the uh, makes the heart beat. Now, God put in a couple of backups. What if this guy called sinus node fails to come mm. through? Mm-hmm. He put in an extra backup called the AV node that okay. can kick in an emergency. So it's it kind of like the a reserve generator. Initiate a response. Okay. Now, if that fails, he made sure even the muscle fiber that is normally supposed to contract uh-huh. have the has the ability to initiate an electric shock. Okay. But it's supposed to do only in an emergency. I see. But in some cases, it takes off on its own. Okay. Now, if it goes like 300 times a minute, the heart is not really pumping. It is actually quivering like that. I so see. So it's not effective. It is it's not pumping. It's not, because, yeah. Because you can't pump that fast. Sure. So that's called cardiac arrest and the okay. patient dies person dies. Okay? And so so the end result is the same. You're not getting perfusion around the rest right. of your body, but it's caused by a very different right. thing. But let me disconnect the two. Okay. Ventricular fibrillation, I explained from a heart attack is one kind. Mm-hmm. You can have ventricular fibrillation with no heart attack. Okay. And, and, and so, that is what he had, I Hamlet see. had. Ventricular fibrillation without a heart attack. How do you know that? Well, I told you, finished telling you, this is educated guess based on my fast experience. Sure. A young fellow of his age will not have a heart attack. Okay. So here's what we know. This is a well-known phenomenon, Noah. Here's a problem happens. You see, the the I, I was telling you, the electrical impulse that stimulates a heartbeat mm-hmm. has several portions of it. We, the, when the upper chamber is uh, stimulated, it causes a wave called, we use uh, alphabetical order starting with P. Okay. It's a P wave. That's the atrial contraction, atrial activity. Uh-huh. Then there is a QRS, QRS. There are three waves. It's called QRS. We're, that's the low, lower chamber. And then the recovery phase is called the T wave. Let me finish. I know you're not anxious to get to that. Well, we're, just, we're getting quite a bit into the weeds here. Okay. But you have to understand this. The third part is called the recovery phase called the T wave. Mm-hmm. 
there are three phases to it, one, two, and three. In the middle, the top of the T wave, there is a period in which it is extremely sensitive to any kind of an abnormal stimulus. I see. Okay. If you hit somebody in the chest, precisely at that point, that vulnerable period, it can trigger ventricular fibrillation. Interesting. 775-5559. You're on KNOX. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, I had a couple questions. Um, I'm just going to ask them, and then I'll hang up and I'll listen. But um, So that's probably going to be the best way to do it. There was a thing going around that it was what's called corditocarditis. Um, Myocarditis. That seems to be something that, that people suffer um, from. So that's, that would be the first question. I'm thinking he's probably eliminated that. The second question would be, um, so we know that he was out on the field for nine nine minutes for sure because they had to do resuscitation for that long and it's come out that they had to resuscitate him again at the hospital so the nfl Um, has actually come out and said that's not true i know that it was his cousin or something like that said that they resuscitated him again at the hospital but the nfl has contradicted that statement okay okay well anyway so he was out for nine minutes on the field um which is very very scary we know that the brain when it lacks oxygen for any period of time the longer it lacks the worse it is. It seems like he is, from what indications are, every day that goes by, his functioning is getting better. Mm-hmm. But the question will be, um, I, I guess the second question is, is are we going to predict that he won't have any damage from that? And then the third question is, is do you think he'll play football again? I guess those are my three questions, and I'll hang up and listen. I appreciate. It. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the. I'm going to take the break here, and then when we come back, we're going to dig into those questions, and we'll talk about how uh, ventricular fibrillation uh, plays into that, and what the prognosis of somebody who's experienced that might be, and what we can expect uh, going forward. And we'll get uh, Dr. Chalaya's thoughts on that next. <laughs> News Radio 1310 KNOX 107.9 103.3 FM. Welcome back. 1028 above in the studio with me, Dr. Noah Chalaya. We're talking about Damar Hamlin and his collapse on the field. Your calls, your thoughts are welcome at 775-5559. You're on KNOX. Good morning. Good morning. You're on the air. Hello. Is that me? That's you. Here's my perspective. I think this is a fake story. Who is pushing this fake story? Is it Black Lives Matter, NFL, drug companies, TV stations? If they were serious, they would ban all contact sports, NFL, boxing, and wrestling. And, you know, a million dollars for chasing each other around the field after a football. You engage in dangerous behavior. You get what you get. That's my perspective. I appreciate the call. I mean, the guy's not wrong, right? We put these people in the equivalent of body armor and then send them after each other. So, I mean, there's something to do that. 775-5559, you're on KNOX. Good morning. 
Hi, Noah. The, um, I was just curious if Dr. Chalaya believes some of the things that are going around about how this could be a complication that is related to a COVID virus. I know that the media mocked of that response, and I was just curious his opinion about it. Yeah. Your, your thoughts, Dr. Chalaya? Yeah, I didn't hear everything he said. He thought. Do you think that the COVID vaccine played a role? It's quite possible. Um, it's quite possible, but the fact of the matter is your guess is as good as mine. We can never be sure. Uh, COVID vaccination causes myocarditis. We know for it. It's an established fact right now. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't know. I, I'm telling you, I've seen this before, meaning I've seen uh, uh, people collapse on the field. Mm-hmm. It's not the first time. Okay. And in the past, it has been always this ventricular fibrillation that occurs due to any kind of, I told you, the vulnerable period on the top of the T-wave. Yeah. Any tap, like, for example, did you know that actually I can restart your heart by kick, hitting you in the chest? This really? Is, Contains a certain amount chest of thump, okay. Chest thump. Okay. So that creates a small electrical shock that can start. Uh-huh. In fact... We have ventricular fibrillation. If you did not have a, a the automatic defibrillator uh-huh. AED, you could thump on the chest a couple of times. That can stop stop the ventricular fibrillation. I think what happened when he ran into the other guy, he accidentally got bumped at the precise. I mean, it's Wrong a very time. precise stop of the T wave and the vulnerable period. In fact, we use this technique all the time in the uh, car, the hospital. Now, what we do is. When we, I put in defibrillators, uh-huh. you know, that's the machine that I implant. Sure. I did one of them yesterday. When I do the defibrillator, we have to test it. We want to know if it's going to work. Uh-huh. How do you test it? We have a technique where we actually give an impulse right on top of that vulnerable period, a okay. tiny shock, and they'll trigger the patient in the ventricle. We actually induce that in the lab, okay. but it's not control setting. We have everything ready there. Yeah, yeah. And then the patient goes into ventricular fibrillation. And then it takes about three seconds for the device to charge up and give the shock. And the huh. patient returns back to the sinus rhythm. We know that the device is going to work in an emergency. So this is a very well-known phenomenon. If hit on the top of the T-wave precisely, it can trigger ventricular fibrillation. So, you know, what's interesting to me is you're, you're awfully, you're, you're remarkably consistent when it comes to I don't know because I don't have evidence to suggest one way or the other. And that was kind of your your take on, on, on COVID early on. Right. It's interesting to me that half of the Internet has exploded with this idea that this is clearly caused from the vaccine. You would say, if I'm understanding correctly, we don't know that. We have no evidence to suggest that. It's possible. There are cardiac-related things. But, I, like, you don't have any evidence to suggest that the vaccine had anything whatsoever to do see, with this. I want, More to like, a, I'm, I want to be a pure, pure scientist, and I don't want to, you know, be a conspiracy theorist. Remember, my everybody knows on the radio that I am against COVID vaccination, okay? So it's not a secret. So why am I being cautious? Because I want to be a pure scientist. I want to be consistent. I don't mm. want to go on a tangent. So I know this has happened before and other uh, players. There was another buys or somebody who was there in uh, Baltimore. He mm-hmm. collapsed on the basketball field. Okay. He died, actually. And so we know that ventricular fibrillation occurs. Text messenger says it's 775-5559. It didn't look like contact had anything to do with it. I believe it was just a heart attack, plain and simple. Okay. First of all, I I don't agree with you. It's not a heart attack. The other possibility is this. 
um, there is something called a long QT syndrome. That means the the uh, the vulnerable period mm-hmm. because the whole QRS complex is widened out, mm-hmm. and then the t- the vulnerable period gets expanded. Even without an external stimulus, you can go into ventricular fibrillation spontaneously. Okay, that is another possibility. So he may have this congenital problem called long QT syndrome, and that is possible. That's an but no, absolutely not. Now I certainly will stand. I'll come back and apologize to you if I'm wrong. But it was not a heart attack. Well, to be, yeah, I mean, seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. You're on KNOX. Good morning. Good morning. Well, not to call back, not to call back so soon. But when you're talking about this va- this vaccine thing, because that's a rumor that's going around, you know, I had seen a podcast thing or whatever on the internet. Somebody was talking about that um, because it's so prominent right now. This discussion, and they had they had looked up and said there were 1,100 deaths in the last two years of athletes, not necessarily just football, but basketball, baseball, soccer, whatever. Okay, of heart-related conditions, 1,100 or 1,100 actually. They said to get to that number before the last two years of 1,100 people that had died of a heart-related condition while they were an athlete on the field, you had to go back all the way to 1966. So you had to go back 60 years to get to 1,100 people that had died Dr. of a heart-related condition. Dr. Talai, your thoughts, is that, is that is that a meaningful statistic to you? Does it? Well, the, I, the meaningful statistics, but the point I'm making is this, ma'am, I'm not de- denying that it could be vaccine-related, but I'm playing the probabilities. What are the probabilities? I'm saying that I told you I'm already an anti-vaccine when it comes to COVID, so that's not a, a dispute. So I'm not are trying you, to protect that. Clear? Are you anti-vax or are you just anti-mandate of vaccines? Exactly, and uh, mandated vaccination. I'm against. Okay. Because we don't have enough experience. But could it be related to the vaccination? Possibly. It is possible. But, you know, we are taught in the medical school a very simple um, logic. I know it sounds ridiculous to you, but I'll say it anyway. My professors told me, if we hear the sound of hoofs out of your house, do not assume there is a zebra outside the house. Assume there's a horse outside the house. Unless you're in Africa. No, it's quite possible that the zebra escaped from the circus in town and it is standing out your door, okay? But, so what I'm saying is, what what we're trying to teach medical students is common is more common. In other words, think the first thing Play you think odds. of is horse. Then you think of the zebra. If there's no horse, then you think of zebra. So, based on that principle, I think this is ventricular fibrillation due to either long QT syndrome or, um, you know, a prolonged vulnerable period. It's a ventricular fibrillation by all means until proven otherwise. Is it possible that the ventricular fibrillation was caused by a COVID vaccination? It is possible. Very, very unlikely, but it's definitely possible. Seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. You're on KNOX. Good morning. Lots of good information today, guys. Appreciate that. Um, I was told many years ago that you're more apt to have a heart attack on Monday or after a divorce. Is that just because of stress? <laughs> it's possible because in, in when you have extreme stress, okay, emotional distress, your uh, adrenaline, epinephrine level goes sky high. And as you know, high high levels of epinephrine can actually stimulate the heart 
into all kinds of arrhythmias. So that is possible, yes. Dr. Chalaya, president and founder of the Heart Institute. We're going to take a break. We'll head over to the KNOX newsroom, get the latest from Pat Sweeney. He's standing by. And we'll continue next on the other side. Your questions, your thoughts are welcome at 775-5559. A couple of you asked in, uh, wrote in questions. He took a couple of Mondays off, so we'll take them today. If you're interested, throw your questions out. We'll get to them after the break. This is Critical Thought on KNOX. Radio 1310 KNOX 1079-1033-FM, 1038-8 above. Welcome back. My name is Noah Chalaya. With me in the studio, Dr. Noah Chalaya, president and founder of the Heart Institute in cardiology of with 40-plus years of experience, joins us here on the air to discuss Damar Hamlin and his collapse on the field. So text messenger has this to say, Dr. Chalaya. What causes more myocarditis, the vaccine or COVID? Well, nobody knows. Nobody knows at this time. Uh, I would think that um, probably both cause equal amount of damage, uh, but I don't know. I'm not. I I haven't looked at the statistics, so I can't tell you. Text messenger sure. asks, and I, I should point this out. So you joined me most of the time on Mondays to answer people's medical questions. The, the past few Mondays, because of the way that the holiday schedule has been, you've not joined us. So you're joining us today to talk about this. But the questions are still welcome. So text messenger asks at seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. What can Doctor Chalaya tell me about Wolf pa- Parkinson's? Well, Wolf Parkinson White syndrome. White syndrome. Yes, my ten year old had it. Could that have anything to do with it? Actually, it's interesting that you would bring that question up. Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome is a congenital inherited condition where there is an addition to the normal electrical system. There Mm -hmm. is an extra wire, piece of wire. So the normal impulse goes down the normal pathway and then comes up through the extra wire and goes around and round and round. It can go fast. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, there are two kinds of I know it's technical, but I need to explain it. Otherwise, it won't make any sense. If you go down the normal pathway, go up the abnormal pathway, the extra pathway, Okay, that's not dangerous. Okay. okay? In rare cases, like about three months ago, we had a patient, young fellow, like 16-year-old kid, mm-hmm. who went down the abnormal pathway and came up the normal pathway. That can be extremely dangerous. His heart rate went up to 300 beats per minute. Ooh. And so... I it was a, a relative emergency. In other words, he wasn't having it at that time. He had it once, uh-huh. and I as soon as I saw that, I knew what it was. Okay, I picked up the phone, called my friend in Minneapolis, and I said, "He needs something done quickly. Now. Yeah, can you f- take care of it?" Mm-hmm. And he said, "Yep, send him out. We'll take care of it." 
and the next <laughs> a few days later mm-hmm. he had that they went there and just kind of zapped that thing and just destroyed that little extra connection okay cured okay huh. so uh, it, the listen, the person who sent you the text it's extremely rare that that happens that only happens in the the wrong way going around uh-huh. happens very rarely so he should actually be seen by a cardiologist and if he is in town we'll be more than happy to see him um I, well, I mean, if her son was diagnosed, it's the chances are that he's been to a doctor. To a yeah. doctor, yeah. yeah. So as long as he's, uh, you know, he's not experiencing uh, what do you call rate heart rate of over two hundred beats per minute, mm. I think it's okay to leave him alone. And uh, and there are other conditions associated with it, so he should undergo an echo test also, an ultrasound of the heart. Text message asks at seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. Doctor Chalai, is there such thing as good cholesterol? Yes, it's called HDL, good cholesterol. And uh, for a long time, until very recently, we thought that good cholesterol, if it is high, you don't get a heart attack. We found out that it's not true. It certainly offers some protection, but it's not absolute protection. Text messenger says at 775-5559, Doctor, do you remember a football player that had the same problem, and this happened 15 to 20 years ago, and after they did all their evaluations, they found out that the family DNA had a problem, and he should never have been playing football because he had some sort of heart condition. Yeah, that's called the long QT syndrome. That's what I talked about. Uh, Bias as somebody who was, you know, who had, oh, I'm sorry, Bias had what they call hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. That's another condition I I forgot to mention. Okay. There is a condition where the muscle uh, in the heart is enlarged on asymmetrically, Mm -hmm. and that's called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, obstructive cardiomyopathy. Mm -hmm. And those patients, people should never play competitive sports and uh, that by or whatever his name was, who mm-hmm. died on the basketball court, had that condition, hypertrophic obstructive cardiomyopathy. That could trigger ventricular fibrillation. 775-5559, you're on KNOX. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I was just wondering if you could tell me what's, what's uh, guidelines for high triglycerides or how should you go, can you go? High triglycerides are mainly from carbohydrates, uh, so you need to cut back on the carbohydrates, uh, like pastries and you know bread. Uh, was your question? Uh, was your question how, like where? What are you look? What are you aiming for for triglycerides? I had a physical on my triglycerides was two seventy seven. Six hundred and seventy seven. Two seventy seven. Two seventy seven. Yes, you need to cut back on carbohydrates. That will dramatically drop your. Uh, triglycerides, sir, and avoid alcohol. If you drink alcohol, consume. Do not consume alcohol. So am I way over, way over, or average? Or well, one fifty is the top line. <clears throat> we don't like to go. Uh, the it should be less than one fifty triglycerides. Okay, thanks. Sure. Appreciate the call. Seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. Text messenger says, "Could you ask Doctor Chalaya regarding someone who's." Had AFib corrected twice via cardioversion, what are the good things and bad things to follow for post-treatment, i.e. exercise, diet, sleep, etc.? Noah, you know that I'm a great proponent of uh, diet and exercise to prevent heart problems. This is one of the rare instances that diet and exercise won't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunate. Uh, You should still be, you know, exercising and take care of yourself. But uh, it will not, there is no 
uh, diet or exercise that you can do, that's going to prevent the atrial fibrillation from coming on. This is due to uh, an abnormal uh, problem in the heart. Mm-hmm. And there is a new technology available called radiofrequency ablation. Okay. And uh, I have a, a colleague in Minneapolis who does fantastic job. I have sent him over 60 patients in the last few years, and every one of them has come back successful. And uh, I think <clears throat> when it comes to these kind of uh, procedures, you have to go with somebody who has got a lot of experience. Mm. Um, everybody who says, I know how to do it, may not be as good. Sure. Past, uh, past performance is most indicative of future results. 775-5559, you're on KNOX. Good morning. Good morning. I got a, I got a silly question. My low cholesterol number? It's been as low as 35, but most of the time it's 45, 47. I went on my chart and I went back for the last like five, six years. And he told me to get more exercise, but I'm working six, seven days a week and working, (laughs) working, working. How do I get that lower number up? Well, you said your uh, cholesterol is low? Yeah, yeah. The bottom, the, the, the good number, whatever. It's, it's only like 35. Oh, the good number is low, not the uh, total cholesterol. I thought you said the total cholesterol. Unfortunately, uh, exercise is the only one that increases the HDL, but there is another uh, simpler method for people like you, sir. Um, online, you can buy something called AMLA powder, A-M-L-A. It's the okay. pow- powdered Asian Indian gooseberry powder. It's available online. One teaspoon can drop the uh, increase the HDL by 50, thirty to thirty to forty percent, sir. Amla powder, okay. Asian Indian oh. gooseberry. Asian gooseberry, I can remember that. Asian Indian gooseberry. Asian Indian gooseberry. Right, okay, it's I'll called Amla. A M L A. Amla. Well, thank you very much. Sure. Appreciate it, sir. 775-5559. A text messenger asks, my question is, how in the world is this able to be talked about in the open public? Isn't there HIPAA laws that come into play with talking about somebody else's health care? Could you ask the doctor about this? Oh, no, no, no. I don't have any actual knowledge of well, exactly. Hold on. I, hold on. I, I think what she's saying is how, how is like national news reports, you know, the, the NFL has come out and they've made statements on what happened when he got to the hospital. This is a question that's crossed my mind too. If it would, if it was, if the information was just what happened on the field, Correct. that I could follow, right? Correct. Because it's available to anybody. Anybody can see Correct. what happened, but Correct. it is, it is interesting that the NFL is releasing statements on his condition, releasing statements on what's happening. Like how does HIPAA play into that? The only way he could have done that is if he has signed a release. Would that he have way. done that to the NFL? Well, possibly. Maybe as part of his contract? Possibly. That's the only way they can re- release it. Otherwise, it's a HIPAA violation. Absolutely. Uh, you know, in fact, even the hospital has to get the per- patient permission before they can release any information. Seven seven five fifty. What in the world? Seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. The number to join us. You can call or text that same number. Email us live at canwexradio.com. Noah, would you please ask Dr. Chalaya what the survival statistics are for somebody who receives CPR? I was told by a trauma doctor when my dad received CPR after being found unresponsive, after his unresponsive death, after my dad was, after my dad received CPR after being found unresponsive, death within one year is 80% and living longer than five years is very rare. So I guess the simpler way to ask that question is how effective is CPR? Well, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. You're mixing two things up. I'm mm-hmm. not saying you, the, the, the person who sent the text. You see, the immediate recovery is very, very high. 
Uh, hold on, you lost me. The immediate recovery, like if somebody passes out, and doc, you do immediate you do CPR. CPR, defibrillation. Mm-hmm. The risks, I mean, the it's survival of complete recovery is extremely high. Doesn't say anything about defib, just CPR. Well, I'm just uh, talking about the recovery. If mm. he's recovered, mm-hmm. she's talking about one year later what the risks is. Okay, yeah. That is not related to the actual event. It is related to the cause of the event. In other words, if it, aha, if it happened for a heart attack, the death rate for subsequently is not related to the ventricular fibrillation, but is due to the uh, heart attack. Got it. Okay. Now, if it occurred without a heart attack, that's even more dangerous. He should be treated with the defibrillator, mm-hmm. like I put in yesterday, mm-hmm. and those save lives. Seven seven five fifty five. By the way. Let me get on my high horse here for a second. Why, the the, the way that the laws are structured right now, Mm -hmm. if you have a DFib, you -hmm. can't get a commercial driver's license. Correct. Okay. I understand that, or at least I understand the rationale behind it. Right. Explain to me why we don't have a thing that says, so if I don't go get the defibrillator. Correct. And I just drive around with a heart that could stop at any time. Correct. That doesn't bar me from a... A commercial driver's license. Say so that again. I, I didn't if, understand. I, 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 I suspect that I have a car, cardiac condition. Correct. And you as my cardiologist tell me, I can put this device in that will instantly start your heart in the event that it, it right. goes out. And I say, but I'm a commercial truck driver. And you say, well, you are going to lose your, driver, your driver's license when I put this device in, but you won't die. What if I just say, well, fine then. I'll just take my risk of not, I'll just get, climb back into my 18-wheeler and drive down I-29, and if my heart dies, be, now we've removed, the. we've not put in the device that would have corrected the issue, so I'm Correct. still going to die, and now I'm going to take somebody out with me. It's such a backwards law. You are absolutely correct, Noah, and there's nothing I can do about it because I'm not, by HIPAA law, I'm not allowed to divulge that information to the state or the federal. I should be allowed to report that a patient a declined uh, defibrillator, I should be allowed to report it to the federal government so that they can, you know, bar it from driving. What if we want, okay, so that's one argument. And, and granted, I'll defer to your judgment because you're the physician. I'm just the idiot that sits here and pushes the buttons. But would it not make, would it not make equal sense to say if you're treating a condition and your doctor is comfortable with you performing your work tasks with the whatever therapy that, that that's on and you leap just squarely lay that in the hands of the doctor. Do you feel comfortable with somebody climbing into a truck and driving with a defibrillator? Now, if your answer is no, then it's no. But no. if your answer is yes, no. then say again. No, I don't think anybody with a defibrillator should be driving commercial. Seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. You're on KNOX. Good morning. So not necessarily heart related, but but talking more about HIPAA mm-hmm. and no, I believe you and I chatted about this on the air a uh, year, maybe more ago. Um, but when it comes to HIPAA, I, I thought it was very interesting that my employer thought that they could require that I tell them whether I had the vaccine or not. And uh, I believe when we talked at that time that you uh, had agreed with kind of me that, that they can't be required to do that. That's mm-hmm. my own personal whatever. Yes. But it seems like through this uh, so-called pandemic that HIPAA is violated left and right all the time and nobody seems to care. Nobody stands up and says, enough, no uh, more. I agree, sir. I agree. So, now, uh, I agree with you on the HIPAA, sir. Uh, finishing up the conversation with the other one. Thank you for the call. Here's the problem. 
Mm-hmm. You asked me, you didn't ask me to explain why I say no, even if you have a deep fibrillator, you should not. Uh, well, part of it, it, part of it is I'm not in a position to make that decision, no, right? So I why. just lay it at the hands of a Would physician. Would you like me to explain it? Sure. Okay. Remember I told you when the heart goes into ventricular fibrillation, mm-hmm. the device takes about two, three seconds to figure out what it is, whether it should give the shock or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sometimes it can take like five to six seconds. Okay. That's enough for you to lose Pass consciousness. Out. Sure. So, so even though it may recover, you make you live a back, come back to life, but you may lose control of the vehicle in that five to ten seconds. Seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. The number to join us. You can call or text that same number. Email us live at knoxradio.com. So I think I've gotten through all of the the questions that people have texted. Of course, uh, oh no, more coming in. Um, so text messenger has this to say. While that loads, I want to get into this because I want to get to this before the end of the hour. Seconds after Demar Hamlin uh, Hamlin collapsed a cardiac arrest Monday night, the the field fell silent. Moments later, his teammates gathered to pray for his recovery and millions around the world flooded social media asking God to intervene. The viral prayer photo is not only a remarkable display of our need and dependence on God, but also reveals how drawing together to seek him can bring the world into unity. Level of unity over Damar Hamlin is often in a divided world is awe-inspiring, wrote NFL player Emmanuel Akko. The 24-year-old athlete's tragedy has reminded the world of the profound value of even a single life and the outpouring of love and concern that reflects something deeper happening now in the moment. So it was interesting. After this happened, I was at I, I have a part-time job. I work at a church, and I was standing there, and a couple of the pastors were standing in the hallway, and they were talking about this incident, and they were all happy about it. And I, so I kind of walked up. I was kind of confused. I was like, why are you guys why are you guys, you know, smiling about this this terrible tragedy? And they said, God uses tragedy to draw attention to himself. And so in this really horrible moment, a lot of really great things have happened. And, you know, a year ago, praying on the field was something that got you fired or got you in trouble or was controversial. (laughs) All of a sudden, like that, the atmosphere has changed. Now, all of a sudden, we absolutely need God. And we all acknowledge that we need some sort of divine miracle intervention and gosh darn it, wouldn't you know it, with all attention focused on this situation, somehow, miraculously, he happens to be in the, the one city with the best medical care in the entire country, surrounded by professionals that then are able to revive him. And not only do they revive him, sounds like his brain is intact and he's asking right. about the game. Right. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, what are your thoughts as a person who has dealt with life and death numerous times and has a walk with God himself? Do you see God working through this situation? Absolutely. I I believe in God uh, working miracles, but then you have to address the another issue. This is going to take much longer than we can finish it before the end of the hour. Okay. Um, why doesn't God intervene all the time? Because it doesn't serve his purpose. That would be my argument. Well, uh, it's more than that, but uh, we'll leave it for another discussion. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged to see people reaching out to God for this in this instance. Absolutely. Seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. That is the number to join us. You can call or text that same number. Email us live at KNOXradio. Oh, this is great. This is fantastic. I just got logged out of the text thing, so now I can't see text. This is fantastic. This is going to be a great rest of the show. Seven seven five fifty five fifty nine. Don't text the number. Call me or you're not going to be able to get in. Um, so I, I guess wrapping up the discussion, Dr. Chalai, I, I want to ask, Going forward, is is there anything? Some somebody sees us and they go, "My goodness, a twenty four year old just dropped, dropped dead, literally, 
on the field. Is there any way that this could have been predicted? Is there any way that somebody that says, I'm 24 years old, I'm kind of concerned about this. Should people be worried? I think that athletes should be undergo a thorough physical examination and they should have a EKG looked for long QT syndrome and echocardiogram to look for hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. These are some of the worst things that have happened to athletes. I think that's reasonable to uh, have these done. And, you know, they're paying these guys millions of dollars. An echocardiogram only costs you a couple of hundred dollars, maybe 500 bucks. And EKG, you know, $50. So I think it should be done routinely on all athletes. Um, For people that are looking at their own personal health and you say, okay, so you're unlikely to drop dead on the field. What is likely to kill you in the way of cardiac cardiac disease still leads the, the, the death toll in the United States. So what can people do to avoid cardiac death from, I presume, presumably heart attacks? Like heart attack is the number one cause of um, cardiac death in, uh, in the world. And three things, uh, exercise daily for uh, four miles a day and avoid all animal product, which I'm sure people don't like to hear. And, and uh, you know, and then avoid smoking and get adequate sleep. These four things can do wonders for you. Eat a lot more vegetables and no animal products. That will help you a lot avoiding heart attack, the number one cause, cause of death in the whole world. Dr. Chalai, president and founder of the Heart Institute and a guest this hour on Critical Thoughts. Sir, before we get out of here, give us the the details. Somebody's listening to this and they're saying, hey, this guy sounds like he might know what he's talking about, about tickers. If I have a question about my ticker, where where do I go? Hey, you know what? If you come to my office for to ask questions, it'll cost you money. If you come to my lunch tomorrow, which is a free <laughs> lunch. <laughs> a hard, healthy free lunch. At 12 noon at the Heart Institute of Dr. Kura, I serve a free lunch. In fact, I started cooking last night. And I'm going to cook some more food. Come and join us. There are no catch. There's no catch. You just come and enjoy the food. You don't have to bring any food. You don't have to pay any money. And there are a couple of gentlemen who come there, Noah. They serve themselves the food, eat, and they say bye and mm-hmm. go. We don't have a problem with that. Sure. You know, you don't have to sit and visit, you know. And, of course, uh, I have another show every Monday at 5 o'clock, one-hour show where I answer questions also. Mm-hmm. So that's on KEQQ Radio at 88.3 FM. So you can check us out there. And, of course, you can always reach out to me at the office, 701-780-2000, if you want to make an appointment. If you have an urgent question like COVID and you need some help, call me at my cell phone, 701-775-0157. Dr. Chalaya, we'll get you back on the program real soon. We'll catch up with you on Monday. Bye now. All right. That'll do it for this hour. We'll wrap it up and head into the next hour. Top ABC News on the way, followed by local news headlines. This is Critical Thought on KNOX. Thanks for listening to Critical Thought. Download the show notes at criticalthought.show. The content from this episode was taken from the live radio show, which airs every weekday from 9 a.m. to noon on News Talk 1310 KNOX. Streamed online at knoxradio.com.